Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham, and I am joined by a very special guest. I'm so excited every year. We start our draft season uh, coverage by bringing in the incredible Mike Schmitz of Draft Express of the Vertical. He does all of those awesome videos that everyone watches of all the draft prospects. What's going on, Mike? It's good to have you on again. Hey, James. Thanks for having me, man. So this is crazy. I know you're so busy. This is a ramp up to uh, your busiest time of year. But what jumps out about this draft in specific, specifically is the top 10 any good? Is this a... a, a B-level draft, a C-level draft, or do you think this has a chance to be a really good one? I think it's okay. Um, I'm kind of one of those guys who doesn't really like to rate drafts, you know, before they even happen. I think you you have to wait, you know, a couple of years out. I mean, a lot of times, you know, guys develop like you wouldn't expect. So um, I think it's, you know, you don't want to say it's a terrible draft, but um, I think looking at it and having evaluated a lot of these guys, you can say that you know, after the top two, um, there is a bit of a drop. I think, you know, you could argue Dragon Bender has a chance um, to be a really good player. But, um, I mean, after Ingram and Simmons, uh, there's not a ton of star power. Some good players for sure. Um, to me, I think this draft is very fluid, and I think it's actually pretty deep. Um, I think there are a lot of guys who are, you know, seniors who are really productive in college who are going to be able to step in as role guys. And then there are a lot of kind of boomer bust uh, type of type of guys with, you know, high upside, but some bustability there. So it's going to be really interesting on draft day. I think there's going to be a lot of movement with trades. And, um, you know, I think guys are pretty much all over the board. Okay, so you bring up the top two, and the top two are incredible uh, on paper, but we have we have no idea what they may produce as pros. Um, and the reason I bring them up is because it's very possible that the Sacramento Kings are are going to have the Lakers or, or the Celtics at number three really come at them hard uh, with DeMarcus Cousins. I, I think that's pretty well known around the league that the Lakers are looking to improve now. Uh, they have some nice young prospects that they would probably be willing to throw in. But if you're the Kings and you're looking at either Ingram or Simmons at number two, what is their what is their ceiling and how comfortable are you saying, you know, maybe they're all-star level players, maybe they're superstar potential, but, you know, or, you know, they're just going to be really, really good players in the league? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think they both have a chance to be all-star type players. I think... Um, I wouldn't really say superstar. Um, I, I think Ingram's ceiling to me is a little bit higher than Simmons. I kind of see Simmons more as like floor. He's going to be an NBA starter for, you know, 10 plus years because he, he can pass. He has size. He's athletic. Um, great basketball instincts. But I think he's going to struggle to score in the half court. So it's it's tough to really peg him as you know, a, a go-to guy, um, a, a star type of player. Um, and, you know, I think he could be that kind of in his own right and maybe an untraditional way. Whereas Ingram, you know, he can really score. He's just kind of now scratching the surface, I think, of what he can be. Um, this is a kid who, you know, only two years ago was about 6'6". Um, I don't think he was a top 20 recruit at the time at a high school you know, he's grown almost four inches. He's still kind of growing into his body. Um, his his skill set is really impressive. So I think, um, to me, he has a little bit more uh, star potential, I would say. But, um, you know, I think both of them are, are going to be really good players in their own right, but they're very different. Yeah, when I look at Ingram, and I, and I get the pleasure of watching the Golden State Warriors playoff run out here, so I'm watching Kevin Durant all the time. And I don't mm-hmm. want to make the comparison directly to Kevin Durant, 
But what I will say is his length and the way that he shoots his jumper so high, uh, not only in his like in his extension of his arms, but you know he he's a leaper as well. Uh, that's I think what draws the comparisons is just the look, the skinny, you know, really super almost emaciated look that he has. But uh, he has that that quality that catches your eye, and you say, okay, so maybe I can see a little bit of Durant in this. I mean, is he is that like a, a poor man's Durant? Is that what you think he could possibly be, or something completely different? Yeah, I think there are some similarities. I did a big thing for the vertical, actually, kind of comparing the two. Um, he's not on the same level of a prospect or player as Durant. Um, I mean, Durant was, you know, an 18-year-old freshman at Texas, um, similar age. And, I mean, he was a bona fide stud. You know, Kevin Durant's one of the best basketball players in the world. I don't think um, Brandon Ingram is that type of prospect. But there are certainly some similarities. You know, their measurables are very, very similar. Um, I think Durant is like the only non-big man, um, aside from, you know, Giannis, who we don't have traditional measurements on, uh, the only non-big man uh, with like a 9-2 standing reach in the NBA. You know, and Ingram has the same same 9-2 standing reach, similar wingspan, similar height, uh, smooth game, pretty quiet demeanor uh, for the most part. Um, so there are definitely some similarities, but I think Durant was just a lot more of a player than Ingram at the same age. Okay, so you brought up Dragon Bender. Uh, we haven't got to see much of him, and even when he has played, there hasn't been much to see there. Why is it that he is such a, a top-notch prospect? Why, I mean, Draft Express, you guys have him rated the third-best prospect uh, out of Maccabi Tel Aviv. What is it that you see in him that sort of makes him intriguing? Yeah, I think he fits really, really well in um, today's NBA and, you know, it's hard to judge him off of what's been going on this year, uh, especially at Maccabi. You know, that's kind of like a win-now situation, you know, playing in the second-best league in the NBA or in the world behind the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pressure there to succeed, and you really don't usually have guys his age um, playing at all. And, you know, they went through a coaching change. And um, so it's been kind of a, a struggle for them in, in, as a whole, Um so it's it's hard to really judge based off production from an 18-year-old kid. But, I mean, Dragon is a really, really special player. 7-1, um, 9-3 reach, super, super fluid. He, he moves kind of like a wing. Um, he's not bulky. He's not overly explosive, but he's very skilled. He can put it on the floor. Uh, he can shoot it. He's really improved as a shooter, and he has a really, really high basketball IQ. Um, good passer. So he really fits... I think in kind of the pace and space type of style, you know, he can make shots and read closeouts and find guys. And um, so, I mean, he has a ways to go. He's still very thin. Uh, you know, he, he has some, some experience for sure playing for Tel Aviv, for Maccabi Tel Aviv, but um, he's going to have to deal with, you know, the physicality of, of the NBA, the athleticism of the NBA. So I think he's a little ways away, but um, you know, if he continues to get bigger and is able to play even some more five also, I think, um, you know, with his ability to shoot and read the game, uh, I, I think he has a chance to be a really good player. Okay, so there are not a lot of guards, at least high-end guards in this draft. Uh, you've got Buddy Hilde, who's a senior, who's, a, you know, clearly a, a, a mad shooting guard. I, I like Buddy Hilde. I, I really, my comparison for him has always been J.R. Smith without the crazy, uh, but there's not a lot of depth there at the shooting guard position, which is a position of need for the Kings outside of healed and just sort of your thoughts on healed, but outside of him as well, is there anyone else that you think can jump that will, that will be there at number eight when the Kings draft, they kind of stand out that could help the Kings instantly. Yeah. Um, well, I, first of all, I, I think, you know, buddy was a tremendous college player and I think he's, he's very polished and he can, step in and score immediately. I'm not sold that he's an NBA starter on a playoff team. Um, but I, you know, he's, his story is incredible just where he started and his journey from the Bahamas and, um, just his improvement at Oklahoma has been tremendous. So you, you never want to bet against him and he's a guy you want in your locker room, which I think in Sacramento is, you know, of course, uh, I mean, you know, that's something that you (laughs) want some stability there, I think. 
Um, so Wait, I think what? Bring... They have locker room issues? What are you talking about? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think if anyone can put a smile on DeMarcus Cousins' face, it might be Buddy. So um, he's not he's not a bad option, I don't think, just bringing some stability, bringing a guy who you, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, but in terms of guards, you know, Chris Dunn is going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, the news, I guess, surfaced yesterday uh, from Woj that, you know, he's not he, – he, they basically want to steer him to a situation where he's going to be a starting point guard. He's, he's not going to have any guys ahead of him. So they're being selective with who they give out his medical to. Um, and he's had shoulder injuries in the past that, that have kept him out. So uh, that's going to be a really important factor. I, I don't really see him slipping to eight. But um, if so, I mean, he, he would be a steal there. Um, and then I guess the last guy is Jamal Murray. Uh, not a point guard in my eyes, but um, really, really shoots it. Competitive kid, uh, big time worker, great kid who's kind of maximized, you know, his potential and, and was a prolific scorer at Kentucky. Um, and he's he's kind of got, he's got a little bit of CJ McCollum to him, um, so he he's another guy to to consider, I think. Okay, so you brought up Don. Is Don an NBA starter? I mean, long term because he's got a body, right? He he's got he's a big strong athletic guy but is he right. a, a long-term NBA starter I think he is yeah I think um you know he's he's to me he's gonna be a player that fans and maybe coaches um have some frustrations with because uh he's just a, he's a very erratic guy um in terms of you know he's he's always had kind of a high turnover rate um he, he's like a gamble type of guy defensively picks up a lot of you know, reaching useless fouls kind of puts his uh, the rest of his defense in a bad spot. So I think, uh, and he's a really inconsistent shooter. So I think he's going to be somebody who who frustrates you a little bit because you see how talented he is and he shows you these flashes. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's six four, six ten wingspan, tremendous frame, uh, unbelievable speed and like ability to change speed, stop on a dime, super dynamic with the ball. Um, you know, people kind of compare him to John Wall a little bit in that respect. Uh, so to me, he's an NBA starter, no doubt. It's just a matter of, you know, is he an NBA starter on, you know, a competitive playoff team? Okay, okay. So outside, like I said, there's there's not that many guards in the considered top 10 picks is here. Outside of the top 10, is there someone that jumps out at you at either the shooting guard or the point guard position that is, I don't want to say can't miss, but someone that could actually perform and come in and be a solid pro uh, that would help, you know, a team like the Kings that are looking to improve quickly because they're moving into a new arena in October. Is there someone that jumps out if the Kings were to slide down to say 15 or 20 that makes sense? Yeah. I think if you're looking for like a right now guy, I think Denzel Valentine is somebody to consider. Um, you know, he was obviously super productive at Michigan State. He made their whole team go, um, you know, shoot, dribble, pass. He, he kind of fits the whole uh, mantra that, you know, the NBA is continually moving toward. Um, he struggles defensively, and he's not a great athlete, and I think that system was kind of tailored to him. So his stats are maybe a little bit inflated, but, uh, you know, his rate of improvement has been really impressive, 6'6", with some length, and uh, sees the game really well. Um, so I, I think he's kind of a stable guy. Uh, another guy I like who's maybe not as ready, um, but who could, you know, step in if you, if you slide down and, and has, uh, definitely has some potential is Malik Beasley, uh, freshman guard from Florida state. Um, you know, he's got a pretty good feel for, for a 19 year old kid. Uh, and he really, really shoots it. I mean, shoots the piss out of it, and he's a pretty dynamic athlete. He's just not much of a, a shot creator right now. But um, he's another guy I like as a two-guard if you're looking to kind of slide down in the draft. Okay, okay. So, again, we talked about how this is – it's not a high-end, top-of-the-end draft, at least on paper. But is this a draft that has, like, throughout the, the 60 picks that – will replenish some of the depth in the NBA? Is it is a good top-to-bottom draft when you look at it? I think so, yeah. I think there are some, um, you know, later in the draft, guys who are going to go in the 30s 
who are going to be rotation players in the NBA for a long time. Um, and you don't always get that. So I think, you know, there's a healthy mix of, like I said, these kind of veteran guys who ha have proven themselves, you know, the buddies, the Denzels, the Bryce Johnsons of the world. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of solid guys, you know, what you're getting. Then there's also a lot of internationals. Um, and as you know, you know, there's not a ton of roster spots in the NBA. So I think that's going to be attractive. And then there's a lot of guys who have high upside who could, could really slide or could go really high. All right. So we're seeing this. Uh, I'm just going to circle back to Chris Dunn one more time because we've seen this play out in other ways. But are we moving more and more to where teams are almost they're completely hamstrung and we saw it last year with the Sacramento Kings where they they couldn't get certain players to come in at all which of course it's because they're the Kings and they're dysfunctional um but again with with the way that Dunn's agent is kind of trying to cherry pick where he's going to go is that where we're moving that that withholding medical records and uh, refusing workouts and, and we're just going to see this build or do you see like this is kind of the worst of it and this is all that that you know an agent can do to to steer his client in the right direction yeah you know I think it's I think it's been getting a little bit worse to be honest um, you know this stuff like this has happened I think for years but um, I think the rate at which it's happening and uh, it, it seems to be happening with even with prospects who maybe aren't seen as top 10 guys you know even um you know the way this ben simmons situation is gonna you know their his agent rich paul i think they're gonna really try and keep him from philly um, they want him in la they want him to get a big shoot wants to be in la so i mean they're really trying to control the process and um while yeah it's definitely a pain in the ass uh, I think at the end of the day, the teams have to say, you know, and they're either going to draft you or they're not. And um, if you want a job, if you want to play for them, great. If not, you know, best of luck. So um, I think at the end of the day, teams still have to say, but uh, just kind of the way agents are going about this and, and even in the whole pre-draft process, like it seems that, you know, they're, they're really holding guys out of a lot of things. Um, guys not going to the combine, then they're hosting these these agent pro days, which are really fluff, you know, for mm -hmm. to put their guys in the best possible situation to look good. I mean, you can't really scout a ton from those workouts. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hiding, uh, and things have changed, you know, from when you kind of just used to scouts and have guys go head to head, and um, so it's it's interesting. I hope I hope it kind of changes back to the way, you know, it was. But um, I don't know. I'm not that hopeful. Yeah, there is no more Tyreek Evans versus Johnny Flynn and right. Steph Curry uh, a battle royales. Uh, what, what, Ty Lawson thrown in there and all of these crazy, crazy athletes going at it uh, in a pre-draft workout. It's, it's very strange. All right. So I know you're super busy. I, I got one last question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. You're the Sacramento Kings, and uh, the Los Angeles Lakers come at you with uh, the number two pick, maybe D'Angelo Russell and or uh, Randall and something else, or you know maybe Clarkson thrown in there with one of the other pieces as well as the number two pick for DeMarcus Cousins. Is there value enough at that number two pick that, that you would feel confident doing it, or are you still a little bit, well, I'm not quite sure about these guys? Yeah, I, I think there is, to be honest. Um, I know, De, you know DeMarcus is one of the best big men, or you could argue he's the most talented big man in the NBA. Um, but, you know, I think the ship's not really moving, whether it's his fault or, or you know, there's obviously a lot of other people to blame. Um, and I think, you know, both these kids at the top have a chance to be really solid players, especially you throw in a guy like D'Angelo who's going to be a really good pro. Um, I would be more inclined to do it if I knew I was going to end up with Brandon Ingram, I'm more of a Brandon Ingram guy than I am a Ben Simmons guy. Okay. Um, so I, I think that would be kind of a kicker, but um, obviously you don't know that ahead of time, but yeah, I would, I would pull the trigger. Okay. So I, I'm going to hit you one more time. What if it's the Celtics at number three and they're willing to throw in a couple of veterans to sweeten the pot? Would you do it? I wouldn't. I think three is a tough spot. I think, I think eventually I can really see Boston trading out of that spot because 
um, there's a you know there's a big drop, huge huge drop from one to two and then to three. It's absolutely tremendous drop. All right, well, thank you so much for dropping by. Uh, we can find you all over the place. Draft Express, the vertical. Uh, what is it at Mike underscore Schmitz uh, on Twitter? Uh, do you have any other places we can find you? That is where I am, and my home. Don't come knocking, but yeah, that's where I am on the internet. Awesome, that's where you are at, on the internet. Uh, thanks so much for dropping by. We love having you every single year. Uh, you, I think this is the fourth year that I've had you on talking draft and pre-draft, and it's always great to sort of dig deep into all this mess and and figure it out from a guy who watches probably more video than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> well, thanks, James. I appreciate you for having me, and uh, good luck to you guys at number eight. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Aaron Bruski, hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on? This is a strange podcast. We're face-to-face. Uh, we've done this a couple of times. I think one time we did it at the Bond Lair. That was nice. Yeah, you know, we get, we got to do that more often. We should go to the Bond Lair more often for I, people out there that know where the Bond Lair is. Because as far as I can tell, there's no bar where we're at right now. No, no. And look, we could go to dinner afterwards. La Trattoria Bohemia is right next door. I, I which know is, that is your favorite place. That's my favorite place, yeah. The the goulash is incredible. They make a nice meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good Italian and good uh, Czech food. See, I'm Czech. See, and I still don't understand what Czech food is. It's goulash. It's like, goulash. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I love goulash. I, I'm a big goulash guy. I, what I make half the time looks like goulash. There it is. But I'm Polish, so maybe we do it the Polish way. Oh, all right. Yeah, you see, the Poles do have uh, goulash as well. It's it's sort of an Eastern Bloc thing. You may not know, but we also have several jokes made about us. Yeah, there may be a few <laughs> jokes made about people that last name end with ski. And I appreciate them. Yeah? So, so, I mean, you know, bring me your Polish jokes. All right, well, bring Aaron your Polish jokes. Uh, let's get to... The uh, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we're opening draft season, which I love. This is one of my favorite time of the year. Uh, thank you to our guest on the first half, uh, Mr. Mike Schmidt of DraftExpress.com and The Vertical. He does those love the, incredible love videos. The work he does. That, oh. I mean, he's responsible for half of my knowledge going into draft day. Yeah, it's wild. He I, I was watching uh, a breakdown of Kevin Durant versus Ingram and they they really just break down like every single the finer nuances of these guys and sort of how their games compare uh, body style. I mean, it, it really in depth stuff. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely draft season. But we've got some other things to cover with Sacramento Kings. Uh, first and foremost, Willie Cauley Stein was named second team All NBA rookie. Uh, what are your thoughts on Willie getting some recognition? Because I wasn't sure he was going to get recognized for anything this year. I was shocked. Not Shocked might be too strong of a word, but surprised. And not because he didn't deserve it, just I didn't think he'd get the recognition. He, he didn't play a lot of the year. And, and typically, to make second team, especially in a deep rookie class like this, you needed to, to, to me, log some minutes. And he didn't, I don't know, maybe he was the talk at the end of the year, maybe how, how he got into the spotlight at the end of the year for not playing. I think maybe voters are connected enough these days to know that there was a disconnect, you know, between coaching and player. And, and But the good news is he got it, and he deserved it. Yeah, and he started plenty of games. I mean, it's not like Willie didn't play at all all season. I, he just didn't play enough. He didn't play enough for... Just about anyone's liking, except for George Carl. Uh, even there was a point during the season where I know that Rondo and uh, Cousins had gone to Carl and said, "You need to play him more. Can you please help us out?" Um, so, so Willie Cauley Stein gets recognized. Uh, that's the first time since Demarcus Cousins in 2010. Uh, it was 2010, 2011 uh, was named to the All NBA rookie team. It's also the I think it's the 15th in franchise history, the 11th in Sacramento era. Uh, the Sacramento Kings actually had a year where two made the all-NBA rookie team, and that was Lionel Simmons and Travis Mays, the year where the Kings drafted four first-rounders, including uh, Anthony Bonner and Dwayne Coswell that year. It was a wild... They traded everybody for draft picks, and then they ended up trading those draft picks down the road pretty much uh, for players. 
I think you're depressing the Sacramento Kings fans right now. <laughs> Who isn't just in love with the Travis Mays era of Kings basketball? I mean, it was short-lived. I you think know, he averaged 14 points a game as a rookie, as a shooting guard. That's why I moved to Sacramento, was the Travis Mays era. It, it intrigued me from afar, and then I decided, hey, you know what, why not move there? That That's true, that's true. And I think it ended with the, uh, the Billy Owens... Uh, draft pick that was then traded for Mitch Richmond. You had Mitch Richmond. You didn't need Travis Mays. They, I believe they traded Travis Mays to Atlanta for Spud Webb. That's some good knowledge. Um, and yeah, that Billy Owens trade, that killed us. I was a Warriors fan at the time. Yeah, the Billy Owens trade. Uh, Billy just never seemed to uh, care at all. And that was back <laughs> in the day when there was very little media, sports center at best, you know, that kind of a thing. And the idea of a point forward was something new, even though it had been done plenty mm-hmm. in the NBA. They sold that locally in the North Bay and the Bay Area as this newfangled thing and just splat. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting because Billy Owens should have been a great player. He was incredible coming out of Syracuse. He just never. Again, he never really seemed to care. And when you have a player that's taken that high and has that much talent, he had plenty of seasons where he was just spectacular. But I remember, you know, one night he would have like 18 points, and I think he had one game where he had 18 points and 20 rebounds. And the next night he had like seven points and and six rebounds. And that was sort of it summed him up in a nutshell. And the Kings had a lot of guys like that because Walt Williams was another guy who would have 31 night and, you know, four the next, and somewhere along the way he would end up at 16 for the season. That was a hallmark of the Warriors organization back then, was taking talent and almost destroying it um, because the organization itself was so fractured. So, so Kings fans, if you ever feel lost, you know, all you got to do is look over a couple hours down the 80, and, and you can see the, the Warriors made so many mistakes. I think it was Bill Simmons wrote an article that just chronicled all of the mistakes that the Warriors made. And it was a painful read. It was like my entire childhood, just one year after the next, after the next. And, and when you're brought through that type of a system, it can really debilitate a lot of players. You know, Billy was one of them. Yeah, it was uh, definitely, you know, I've, I've been covering the Warriors all through the playoffs. I've, I've missed one of their home games throughout the the playoffs and uh I was just it's amazing to watch Steph Curry when he gets hot he that 15 points in in less than two minutes in the third quarter of of game two was shocking and I know we're not going to delve too deep into Golden State Warriors basketball I know Kings fans would just absolutely crucify us for that um but when you watch something special it you still it's worth talking about NBA fans it's it's an incredible thing to watch. When he gets going, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, so the the Thunder had played this really disciplined game, and then just a couple of bad switches. That's all it was. It was two to three plays that got Steph going. Next thing you know, he's taking shots and, like, glaring at Serge Ibaka with the ball in midair. Yeah. And, and, and that level of trash talk is unheard of. You, you I mean, you—, you the only person who's done it was Swaggy P, and he didn't even get it right. No, he didn't. Yeah. It, it's I've never seen anything like this where somebody shoots the ball and they know it's going in. Because I can't remember if he's ever been caught on the wrong end of that, where he, he does the whole, I'm turning around or I'm going to glare at you, and then the ball doesn't go through the net. No, I don't think so. I think he's too cool for that. He's He is really too cool for school. Uh but, you know, the Warriors overall, they, I think they had seven guys in double figures in Game 2, uh, with Oklahoma having two guys in double figures. Uh, Durant was spectacular, but then he only had four points on four shots in the second half. Westbrook was just uh, gone. They They're have. such a strange group. And then uh, <laughs> for for those of you who are Zoolander fans, did you watch the postgame? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Westbrook walked in, and he was literally – he was part of the Dare League camp. <laughs> he was part of the Dare League <laughs> campaign. Uh, yeah, he wore like a white that T-shirt that had giant holes everywhere. Uh, it was funny because I was waiting. I, I didn't switch over to the NBA TV feed. Which is a must. You got as great as inside the NBA is. You have to get the full feed to hear the post game. It's, it's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, we're sitting talk. there. Yeah, it's crazy. I was just like, how do these guys and and who's gonna step up and ask them about the shirt 
you know, and yeah, they just lost. They got blown out. You yeah. Know? Like who's gonna? But how do you phrase that? So, um, so, so, are, so Russell, are are you going with the derelict look right now? Is that what you're trying to go for? I I don't even know if you would get the reference, and then you'd be like, everyone in the room would be looking at you, and you'd be like. Uh, probably shouldn't have said uh, James Ham CSN Bay Area right before I asked that question. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is John Doe of Channel yeah. Five News. Yeah, just throw it out there. I'm a TV guy. That's what happened. Yeah, the, but the thing is, is so you lose by what did they lose by thirty? I lost track of, of the final score. Uh, it wasn't quite. I think it was twenty seven, something, something like that. It's like so you lose, but you're still making that fashion statement after the game. To me, that makes it almost like fair game. In a way, I think you're right. Yeah, it, I, it it's a weird thing. I've never I've I've seen and actually been a part of teams in, in a long time ago in high school where people wore just crazy stuff around. But after a loss, I've never seen anybody just kind of like strut out there. You it know, was with, almost like he beat up a homeless person on the way into the press conference and just threw on his clothes. Some, I, I was he made a lot of money for that design. I guess so. I I was very surprised. Uh, and and those two are odd anyways. Like, when they're sitting up there together, it's seriously uncomfortable. I don't want to—this isn't, like, a controversy thing because I don't think Kevin Durant's leaving Oklahoma City, but I thought they were on different pages after the game last night. I, I, I think they're typically on different pages. I don't think that they even live in the same universe most of the time. Just I, They're such different people, and they, they come across so different, both of them. KD seemed a little upset about his shot total, and then Russell— seemed like normal Russell. Like, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did that. We got to get better at this. We got to get better at that. Yeah. But KD kind of let it show that he didn't get the shots that he'd like. And I don't think that was necessarily having to do with Russell. I, I think that's just the way that the game flow happened. Well, uh, I think the Warriors ran three guys at him, and he was right. He turned the ball over too much, and they did everything in their power to slow him down. And, and the Warriors have a lot of guys to slow you down. It's I mean, a you can't make any mistakes against those guys. So when when the Thunder beat them in Game One, it yep. was because of their talent. And and I actually thought I thought Golden State showed some cracks, and the Thunder showed a way to beat them. I thought Portland gave a little bit of a blueprint. Is if you use a little bit of a smaller, more athletic lineup, you can switch a little bit more aggressively and take away Steph Curry, and then you've got to decide what you're going to do with Draymond Green. Are you going to pre-rotate to him and give up the corner three, or how are you going to do it? They decided to to go away with what was wor- go away from what was working in the first half, and then it just imploded. But uh, you have to pick up Curry all the way in the backcourt. You can't. I would even deny him. him. Don't even let him have the ball. You just got to beat him up. And I, I guess, but I mean, I asked them that in post game, and Durant gave a you know he 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 had a good answer. He said, "Look, they got four other guys who can torch you too," and I get that, but. They can't torture you like he can torture you. That's the thing. And I think that Durant's a little bit, uh, I don't know if strident's the right word. He's just a little bit standoffish with the media. Defensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah slightly defensive. I, I, he probably, if, if somebody else advised him of that, he would probably think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so let's get back to some Kings news. So, yeah. they, again, the, <laughs> the draft process has started. Um, again, Mike Schmitz with some great stuff. And the Kings opened up draft season. They had six prospects through on Wednesday. No, Thursday. Today is Thursday. Uh, they had six draft prospects through, none of which will likely be drafted. Maybe one will go deep in the second round. Uh, there was a, a local kid that looked that looked good, according to everybody. But, uh, again, I think it's one of those deals where you're just trying to get your feet wet. The Kings do have the San Antonio Spurs 59th pick in the draft. So they're looking for another Isaiah Thomas moment. Uh, which I don't know what they can they can repeat on, um, but I thought it was a, a an interesting day for for the Kings because uh, you know again you get the Willie Cauley Stein news during it. Um, we've got some other stuff building behind that uh, it, as far as uh, the Rondo the Rondo situation is kind of simmering and and picking up a little bit. You know we've we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times that the. The temperature with Rondo is kind of changing. And then Zach Lowe threw something out there, and it was like everyone went crazy on it. Oh, wow. I, although I do enjoy the uh, the term scuttlebutt, which is one of my <laughs> favorite terms that Zach Lowe used in his uh, his post-draft notes. That the scuttlebutt around Sacramento is that uh, the temperature is cooling on, on 
Mr. Rondo a little bit. Uh, so here's that's, the deal. That's a pirate term, right? I, I think it might be. Uh, so <laughs> we could we could just GTS at people. Uh, scuttlebutt. I'm not even going to tell you how to spell it. Um, for me, I, I think I had asked someone today, well, what's the deal? Do you think you think they're going to re-sign him? And the question was flipped around on me very quickly. Well, would you re-sign him? And I hesitated. I took a deep breath and I said, um, and they looked at me and said, too long. And I think that that is some of the prevailing thought within Sacramento. It's not a no-brainer. And whether you're going to bring him back or not, it's got to be in the right situation. And the right situation means the right cost, the right, the right everything. The draft pick has to fall where you have someone else that can improve a different position. Uh, the a, Everything from top to bottom, the money, the years, uh, the way that it works out, who you're competing against, the other players that you can add during free agency, it all has to make sense for the Sacramento Kings to you know, have a reunion with, uh, with Rondo. And it's not because he did anything particularly – well, I mean, he did do a couple of things wrong. The Bill Kennedy thing is one huge glaring thing that he did wrong. But overall, I, I think he was a solid player. He had a very good statistical season, but he also had a very poor statistical defensive season. So, Aaron, where are you at with this? I, I know where you kind of sit with this, but what would you do if you are the Kings? My focus on this would be the style of his play because I thought that he helped DeMarcus Cousins have a very bad season uh, offensively, which is going to take people by surprise. Um, I thought that he expanded his game, and he probably could have done that one way or another. But the bad habits that you saw DeMarcus Cousins develop as a result of the way Rondo ran the offense, I you just can't have that out of your center. He's got to be shooting 55% from the field because he's taking most of his shots inside the paint. He's got to know the difference between a good shot and a bad shot. And Rondo constantly encouraged bad shots. So I thought that he was a teacher of bad basketball on the offensive side. Uh, so for me, it's not about money or years. It's about can he change who he is as a basketball player and bring that new game to the equation and 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 help kind of usher in the new era of Kings basketball. I'm just not sure that he's capable of changing and it's not even all you know a lot of people think that's a stubbornness issue. I think that it's hard when nobody respects your pull-up jumper to beat a guy. So your options become limited. You you have to take these kind of kamikaze drives to the hoop and there aren't a lot of options off of those drives. So a lot of these dump-off passes to guys, whether they're pick-and-roll dives or whatever have you, they're not great offensive opportunities for the shooters, so the end result is not great on offense. Defensively, there's the issues um, that everybody kind of points out all the time. So my, my thing is not years, you know, because I don't think he's going to take a, a low-minute role, you know, no. with the Sacramento Kings. no. So it's going to be uh, – if he signs, say he would take a million dollars, he's still going to play 35 minutes, 30 minutes, 25 minutes, and demand the team gets run the way he wants it run. And I just didn't think it was run that well. You know, I'm going to bring up a point that I heard that Kevin Durant said, you know, how, uh, how did Billy Donovan get you to buy in to, to his system? And he turned the question around and said, look, uh, you know, we, he didn't have to get us to buy into his system. It's it's our job to get him to buy into us as players and to, and to buy and to believe in us and to do, you know, get us to do the things that we have to do to, to improve. I worry that there's a point here where you've already you've got cousins and rondo and if you're dave yeager do you have to bend over backwards to develop a relationship with two guys to earn their trust to do all that stuff and in the meantime what does that mean for the other 13 guys i would just looking at it from that perspective i'd break that up yeah I, well I think that they might be looking at it that way as well as you, you can't have two of the stubborn people in the locker room you well, if they're working one. together, I think you can look at them as 
a tall and a shorter version of the same stubborn person and just move forward with it. But I don't know that that's how you want to start your new era. And I know that Darren Collison is a buy-in guy. I know that Caspi is a buy-in guy. And I know a lot of these players are, you know, Costa Kufas is a buy-in guy. He knows Jaeger. And so you walk in the room knowing that you're you're going to have a lot of guys who are already ready to, to be led. But is everyone in the room? And I think that's that's going to be, and I'm not saying that, that they're anti-coach and that they're going to, you know, because Rondo was was very clear most of the season that he was a George Carl guy, that he loved what George Carl was doing for his career and that he was fully backing the coach. Uh, whether that was always the case, I'm not sure. But uh, it's it's definitely a dynamic that's going to have to, it's going to have to play out right for him to be back, and I don't know that it can play out right. I think the market is going to talk on Rajon Rondo, and he might come to the realization that he's going to have to take reduced money no matter what, and then the Kings are going to be in an interesting position because now you'll have the, the argument of, well, he'll take less money. Three years, $10 million each year? Do you do it? I don't do it. Three or 30? I, I, if, if he could look you in the eye and say, we're going to play a different style of basketball where I'm going to be a true facilitator without placing my emphasis on the game plan, then I think you could maybe look at it. But then you got the defensive side of the coin, and I just there's too many what-ifs. He would have to do one heck of a sales job to convince me that he should be the point guard of the Kings going into the new arena, going into this new era, going into a new coach. I think you got to give Jaeger a chance to, to really just do this with a guy like Darren Collison, who to me seems like your perfect starting point guard for the next season of Sacramento Kings basketball. He's going to be a true facilitator. He's already showed success in that role with DeMarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay last season before everything went off the rails. I think that it just makes too much sense. And you save a bunch of money, and then you go into the next free agency looking for your your, your future point guard or you draft a point guard, whatever have you. I, to me, it makes so much sense to just turn the page. Um, Interesting. I expected that to sort of be where you would be with this situation. I, I still don't know. I still don't know. what I, It would have to be the right – everything would have to fall in line, like I said. So, okay, let's get to one – other giant, giant elephant in the room, and that is that the draft lottery, uh, while it hit the Kings over the head like it usually does and just kept you right at the number eight spot, at the top of the draft, it presented some interesting outcomes that could affect the Kings greatly this this summer. And while the Kings have said repeatedly, even Vlade Divac said, during the Dave Yeager press conference, after the Dave Yeager press conference, that he has no interest in trading DeMarcus Cousins, the Los Angeles Lakers landed the number two pick in the draft. And not only that, but they have a couple of young players that should intrigue the, the Kings. Jordan Clarkson, I think, is a restricted free agent. And uh, then you have, you have D'Angelo Russell. You have Julius Randle. The Lakers came at the Kings last year and basically threw the kitchen sink at the Kings for DeMarcus, and it wasn't enough. And that's because I don't think last year's draft had the star power of this draft. Now, Aaron, if you're the Sacramento Kings and the Lakers come calling again and they're offering either Ingram or Ben Simmons, which is who one of those two will be available at number two and they're willing to throw in a Russell or a Clarkson or a Randall, two of the three in some fashion where you're going to land not only some, some players that have had a year of experience and are, are, you know, functional players, plus a guy that could be a future all-star in either Ingram or, or Ben Simmons. Do you pull the trigger on a DeMarcus Cousins trade? I need to get more acclimated with Ingram because I don't know anything about Ingram. And I haven't really had a conversation with anybody in the know that's that's said anything pro or, or against Ingram. So I don't know about Ingram. I'll just lay that out there. But Simmons, a lot of people in the know say, uh-uh. Like, he's not the hype. He's not worth it. He's he's He shouldn't even be the number one pick. Hmm. And so that would naturally be the Lakers at two. Um, so... That makes me a little hesitant to to 
bank anything on those two. Now the other players involved are are pretty good, um, but again, if you're looking at say D'Angelo Russell, you're taking a way less talented player with just as many problems. You know, from from a <laughs> from a he has some issues. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Who wants their their stuff recorded and put out there? I guess. Yeah, he what does a- that. He also uh, he talks trash nonstop. He, he seems to be a bit oblivious uh, to the words that are coming out of his mouth. And and that's a guy who would take the the move from L.A. to Sacramento would probably crush his soul. Oh, you know, you know loves, you're right. It, he loves yeah. the L.A. scene. Well, he, he thinks he's L.A. Yeah. He's already plugged into all of the gossip magazines and everything that goes with that. And that's, you know, that's its own thing. You know, that's, that's, I, I, from a talent perspective, here's some, the funny thing is the number two pick has been the talk of the organization. It, the, the questions, the feelers, everything's already out there. People, what do you think? You know, Lakers in two. Do you take, you know, trade DeMarcus Cousins? And even some of his supporters are, are throwing that out there as like, do you do it? I think they're just testing the waters or, or maybe people like to talk. Um, I just, you're looking at the playoffs right now. The Thunder can compete with the Warriors because they have two of the best five, six, seven ba- basketball players in the league. Yep. You're not winning without one of those players. I agree. So to me, if we're talking about a championship, then I think you have to gamble on DeMarcus Cousins unless the package gets way better. Like, extraordinarily better and if not then just gamble with the Marcus yeah it's it's really that simple like he's shown you a glimpse with Michael Malone mm-hmm. and now Dave Yeager built in a similar mold can come in you give it one more chance and you see what you got because what's behind door number two might have a lower chance of uh, probably has a lower chance of success and that I mean you know what DeMarcus Cousins brings in terms of pure raw basketball power, I, I just I would gamble that way. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same the same page with you. I think it would have been really really interesting if the Celtics were number two and not the Lakers, because if the Celtics are coming at me with number two and Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder as the offer, then I think the the kings are now you're listening are are pulling nameplates off of lockers and and making a move now you don't do it though with the Celtics drafting number 3 because number 3 in this draft has so little potential of being a star and number 1 and number 2 have potential of being stars yeah that's true about simmons i would agree yeah and maybe maybe my and, people and are ingram wrong. ingram as well ingram has the potential to be a star i don't think he has the potential to be a superstar but still, you have the the potential to get a a top tier player and two guys that would help you instantly. It's all about those two guys, and and I'll say this though about Avery Bradley because I've seen that pop up on Twitter. This is a guy with extreme injury concerns. Everybody has yeah. to realize that Boston knew what they had with him, and then they balked on his four year, forty million dollar contract. Eventually, signing the deal, you just they know his medical history. We know his medical history to some degree. This is a guy that is still a good a player, great player, and Jay Crowder is a great player and really underrated. And his contract is spectacular. This would be if you could get those two guys or Isaiah Thomas, or <laughs> <laughs> they're not, Full they're circle. not, they're not getting rid. That they're would be, not, that they're would be not hilarious beyond yeah. all belief. And I think Isaiah would probably become kicking and screaming. You'd have to like sedate him to bring I, that him wouldn't back. even happen I, I mean yeah that that ship has sailed that ship has sailed um but yeah those two and the three pick and probably another pick because they've got enough picks in boston keep in mind to swing that sort of a thing i don't think you could do it just for those two and the third three pick i think for a big man in his prime that could be a championship level player i think you have to come through with a boatload of picks and I don't care. Even still, boatload of picks, it doesn't do it for me because boatload of picks means you got something I'm maybe down like the future. Two top the seven picks, with one being like a two or a three, and the other one being like a five, six, or a seven. Well, they have other Brooklyn picks down the road, but again, it would have to. It, they're not going to improve. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you would improve. We we don't know what Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the potential of of even. I, I mean, again, at number three. What are they? 
they draft Buddy Hill? Do they draft the? Uh, you know, they have a even a Buddy Hill. Guys. The 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 scout scouts are not that high on him. No, they're the, not. They're not high on Chris Dunn either. I mean, there's not a lot of 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 like and, and talent in this draft. And I, again, I don't know about this stuff. I, I st- after the playoffs end is when I sit down and I start watching film and and really break these guys down. But it's hard to expect two great draft classes in a row. I mean, this last class was just amazing, and it wasn't even that highly touted. So I do give credence to the fact that the analysts often get it wrong. They do you know, get it wrong. Chad Ford will even go back and change his picks. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. And then, then I would just not report on stuff if I got caught with that. That's right. All right, so Aaron, uh, we don't want to drag this out all day. Do you have any? Do you have any final thoughts? No, no. This is a. It's a fun time to watch basketball. I think it's exciting for the Kings with a new coach to uh, get in there, and um, you know, it, it seems like it's the time. You know, there's been the ups, there's been the downs. It seems like this is the time that the Kings have learned enough lessons, and they can just do things the right way, and um, you know, put some distance between them and those those bad old days. There it is, the bad old days. So, final thoughts from me? Not really. Uh, well, more draft prospects coming through on Tuesday. Uh, keep watching basketball because it's actually really pretty fun basketball to watch. I mean, that series is a is a knockdown drag out. Uh, I expect the Warriors to do some pretty interesting things going forward. And the Cavs playing like uh, world beaters. They they're playing like champions right now, and they're going to be. It's going to set up an epic battle in the in the finals. So I guess there's that. Uh, Again, draft prospects, rumors, innuendo, all kinds of things. Uh, We don't have a draft until June 23rd. Um, We don't have free agency until July 1st. So we're going to have plenty of time to talk all about this stuff. Uh, I'm just going to end this with this. If I'm the Kings and I've got the number number eight pick in the draft, probably going to call Atlanta an offer for Jeff Teague. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. That's crazy. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good idea. There it is. That was a great idea. That's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Again, thank you to Mike Schmidt of DraftExpress.com, the vertical, for coming in and dropping some incredible draft knowledge. For Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We'll be back next week. 